our first scripture reading is taken from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 to 18. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by any name. Profaning the name of God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor. You shall not steal. You shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revel the death or put the stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you should judge your neighbor. You should not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not profit by the blood of the neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart anyone of your kin. You shall not reprove your neighbor, or you would incur guilty yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of the people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Our second reading is taken from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 8 to 14. All no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not convict, and any other commandment I summed up in the word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and latentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So this passage starts with, oh, 
no one anything except to love one another. It's the idea of like a, a debt of love. Like, do we owe someone something? It almost sounds a bit like a duty, and Paul's been talking earlier in Romans about a duty of tax and a duty of what you're supposed to owe the government and those that are in power and how to live. And then he starts to talk about knowing no one nothing. Don't owe, one any, owe anyone anything except love. And the idea of love being a duty is kind of a, feels a bit like an oxymoron, like, a, like it doesn't quite fit. Like, if you're loving someone out of duty, is that really love? If you're doing things out of duty, it's not really, it doesn't feel very loving. But I wonder if actually it's this love that leads to that duty, that leads to that sense of wanting to do good by another, leads to that place where actually you're willing to sacrifice. But this idea of love your neighbor as yourself is a it comes from a long sort of rabbinic tradition. It, we heard it in the first um, passage in Leviticus. Paul would have known it. It echoes the words that um, are written that Jesus um, says in Matthew and Mark. This idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. It's one that is within the tradition that they, they held and it was a part of who they are. And Paul says that this is what you do to fulfill the law. You have to love your neighbor, which I believe Simon shared earlier in our series. The neighbor means the other, the one who is not us, who is different. When Jesus is asked, who is my neighbor? He replies with the shocking story of the Good Samaritan, the one that everyone else thought was out. And Paul has been talking all the way through Romans about who is in and who is out and the fact that it actually isn't a question that matters at all. Because if you love your neighbor, you love the other. And there is no in and out. And I've been trying to reflect this week about what is love? What does love look like? And it can sometimes seem, when we read scriptures, it it feels like a list of things that we shouldn't do, rather than a list of behavior that is good. Or a description of someone who is loving. Often it's, well, you don't do this, you don't do that. Make sure that you don't hurt people. Make sure that you don't murder people. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't envy. But what is love? If it's not a list of negative things, which I don't want to think that it is, what does it look like? In my reading for this, I come across a really lovely little one-liner, which is, love is our protest. And I really, really liked the idea that love is our protest to the rest of the world. It's our way of being different. It's our way of showing that we are not of the world. But what does love look like? Well, we're also told that if you know Jesus, you'll love him, and if you love Jesus, then you know him. And this idea of knowing someone and being connected to that person. And I was thinking, well, when do I feel the most loved? And that is when someone is sitting with me and going through the thing that I'm struggling with or rejoicing with me, the stuff that brings me joy. 
that sits and gets to know me and knows that actually what I need right now is just silence and an arm around me. Or it's a game and a glass of wine and giggles. That's what it is to love. To know the other person. To know Jesus, to know God. That is what love is. So if we're supposed to love the other, we're supposed to love the one that is different from us, how do we get to know them? We're supposed to love the other, those that are not connected to us. How do we love someone who puts a bomb in a bag on a tube in rush hour? How do we love someone who takes a car and drives it down a busy street, aiming at as many people as possible. And you know what? I don't know. I don't necessarily have answers to this question. But I want to know. And I have a desire to move in that direction of love, for love to be my protest in the face of those terrible acts. At Exchange, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Jesus, about the incarnation, and we were sharing who Jesus was to us, and a lot of the answers revolved around this idea that Jesus was the one that helped us connect to God. That there were actions and the things that he did and the things that he said, and the reaching out to the poor, this was the thing that we could relate to. And for me, it was the love. It wasn't just Jesus' actions or his words. It was his compassion. He looked upon them and had compassion. He, Jesus wept. He sat with people and mourned and he laughed and he had dinner and he ate fish on a beach with a group of people who kept getting it wrong. And he knew them. And he loved them. And he didn't just love the ones in the inner circle. He loved the down and outs and the broken and the ones that were kept out. But he also loved the Roman centurion. The one who used violence to oppress. Love was his protest. We can't just we cannot sit inactive when the world around us is full of hate and anger and apathy and distrust. Love has to be an active thing. Karl Barth talks about this passage in terms of negative possibilities and positive possibilities. But this idea that the things that we do ripple out now, if any of you get shared prayer, you would have read my confession this week about how the last week I was on a bus twice. I was on a bus more than once, but two particular times that I was on the bus, I saw two different people unable to get off because the doors had closed before they were able to leave. And the first one, I was in a bad mood. I was grumpy and not really paying attention. And I saw this woman 
with their bags, trying to get off the bus, and the doors closed. And I had time to turn around and tell the driver, because I was standing right next to the window. And I would like to say that I was so preoccupied that I didn't notice until it was too late, but that's not true. I just couldn't be bothered, because I was in a bad mood. And then when we get to the next stop, she pushes her way out, shoves people out the way, and clearly walks down the street angry. Later in the week, I was on a bus, and the same thing happened. The doors closed. It was a full bus. I was standing near the driver, and this time, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do something. So I just knocked on the window and told him, someone's still trying to get off. Doors open. Guy hops off, walks away with a smile and a wave. And I just wonder what ripples were made on those two different occasions. I don't know if any of you have ever read Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman's Good Omens. It is one of my favourite books. And there's a, pa there's a, a passage, a, a quote that I'm going to read you, and it's about uh, Crowley the demon, who is explaining to his two demon colleagues how he has tied up every cell phone network in central London for 45 minutes. But the other two, because they're more old-fashioned, don't really understand. They're working on a single person trying to lead them astray. And so Crowley's reflecting, what could he tell them? That 20,000 people got furious, that you could hear arteries clanging shut across the city. And then when they went back, they took it out on their secretaries or traffic wardens or whatever, and then they took it out on other people in all kinds of vindictive little ways. The knock-on effects were incalculable. Thousands and thousands of souls all got a faint patina of tarnish. And it's just a book, and it's silly, but it makes me think, what do our small actions do? The ripples. What ripples were caused that someone thought it was okay to leave a bomb in a bag on a train? What ripples led to that? And then what ripples led to the celebration that happened here yesterday afternoon, the 223? People singing, praising God, loving each other. What ripples brought those two things to being? And what ripples are we creating? What negative possibilities and pos positive possibilities are we creating? Love must be our protest. And it starts with the small things. It starts with getting to know your neighbours. starts with that small act of kindness, of thinking what would help the other. Because without love, even Jesus would have been a clanging symbol. We could do all manner of good things here, but if we don't love, there's no point. And so we have to wake up. As this passage says, we have to wake up and see what God is doing and be alive to him and be alive to what is happening. Because I don't know about you, but this world does not seem very awake to me. And sometimes this community doesn't seem very awake to me. What is God doing with us? How are we clothing ourselves in Christ, in light 
How are we being the light out there? What positive possibilities, what ripples of goodness are we sharing? Because, you know, it talks about, like, the night is coming, but if you are clothed in light, it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is because you have the light with you. We live in a perfect metaphor for this world, a city that is so, has so much artificial light in it that you can't even see the stars. We want to pretend that the darkness isn't there, but it is. And so how do we become that light? How do we share that love? How do we wake this world up? We have to start with this commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? The second part is just as important as the first. As yourself. How do you love yourself? Do you love yourself? Do we love ourselves as a community? Do we love Bloomsbury? Do we love the people that we see week in and week out? I hope the answer is yes. Do you know your neighbors sat in the pews? Do you love them? Love cannot be an inactive thing. It has to be active. It has to be out doing something. Love is what leads us to that duty, to that sacrifice, to that desire. We have to build those relationships. And we have to spend time on ourselves. It's both and. It's not one or the other. Because if you don't love yourself, then, I mean, this has been said, that you can't love other people. Because it just becomes a distraction from dealing with the things that we need to deal with. We can be the best church at working with the homeless, with the vulnerable, with LGBT. But if we don't love ourselves, then we're not going to be able to love the people we're engaging with. And I honestly believe the best way is just to get to know each other, spend time with each other. You're about to do my one-to-ones. If I haven't had a one-to-one with you yet, come and find me. I want to know you. I want to get to know you and who you are. Do one-to-ones with each other. I know it sounds scary. It's not just going for coffee and finding out what makes the other person tick. Let's have dinner together. Let's have lunch together. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord together. Let's seek his wisdom, his guidance. Where is he taking this church? Sometimes, you know what, it can feel like the road before us is a little bit dark and a bit unknown at the moment and we don't know where we're going to be in a year's time but God has a plan for us I believe that 
He has stuff for us to do. He, he wants to do stuff with us. He wants to work with us because he's already out there doing stuff. Let's galvanize. Let's build this community. Let's build our relationships and then go out and build relationships with others. Let's know each other and love each other and go out into the world and know the world and love it because love is our protest. It has to be. I get teased about the fact that I only have one sermon, the Sermon of Love, and that's because I think, and with this passage, to be fair, I didn't really have much of a choice. This was about loving your neighbor, but it is the most important thing because I think if we cannot get this, if we cannot work it out, if we cannot do love, if we cannot love ourselves and our neighbors, then we are just clanging symbols and there is no point. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Really simple and really hard. So let's work on this together. I promise to work on this with you, if you'll work on it with me. And we now come to our time together of prayers for our community and the world around us. There is a short uh, call and response during these prayers. So when I say love so amazing, so divine, if you just respond with a type in bold, we pray to you, O Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Loving God, who is love and who engages through a lovingly created world through that love, we gather here today to pray for that world. Love so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. Loving God, by your Spirit, bring that love to this community of your gathered kingdom here today. Refresh us in that love. Deliver us from hate and apathy. Renew our compassion and our direction in love. Build your kingdom of love through us. Challenge us through love so that we might go out and love our neighbors as ourselves. Love so amazing, so divine. We pray to you, O Lord. We seek joy in such beautifully British events, such as the raising awareness of the plight of butterflies in the UK, the dedication of people seeking to restore balance to a world which we have drastically damaged, horrendously harmed. We delight in their dedication to fight such change. Love so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. We praise you, God, for the compassion of humanity, for the sacrificial giving of your people through care, love, and concern. We think particularly of those who create homes for forgotten young people, the temporary foster carers and the long-term adopters. We pray for those who have so much love to give that they sacrifice their comfort and make the stranger their family. Love so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. Our hearts, Lord, are hurt by the continued attacks on our city, on our London. This past week and the attack at Parsons Green stick sharply in our minds. We pray for those there and injured, for those that are implicated in this crime, 
the long-term effect this may have on the local community. The emergency services for their continued under-acknowledged commitment for the level of fear and insecurity these attacks bring, but also that deeply British response of keep calm and carry on that found origins in the darkest times of the 20th century, but shines a light in our darkest times today. We pray for the people of London who tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that will just keep carrying on. Love so amazing, so divine. We pray to you, O Lord. And we turn our minds to yesterday and the crash on the M5, the four who were killed and the women and two children who remain in hospital critically injured. We lift our prayers for those reeling from such an accident, the families left behind and the recovery of those who are injured at the hands of our skilled medical practitioners. Love, so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. Our prayers are raised for the young child at the centre of the recent anger towards a Church of England school regarding issues of gender identity. We pray that all those who are involved don't forget that at the heart of it all, there is a young child who is learning who they are and that needs to feel the love of God, not the fear and hatred of those who God created. Love so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. And beyond the individual, we pray for the wider whole, especially for the continued confusion and contradictions that surround the ongoing Brexit negotiations. We pray for peace, for clarity of mind and message, for leaders to rise up and guide these United Kingdoms. Love so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. Searching beyond our aisles too to the wider world, to the displaced Rohingya people in Myanmar, the imprisoned Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank, the ongoing effects of extreme storms, flooding, and the people in both East and West whose homes and livelihoods have been destroyed because of it. We remember that it is those who have nothing are often the ones who receive nothing when disaster strikes. For peoples displaced by war, by poverty, by broken structures of human creation, God of love, act amongst your people, we plea. Love so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. And particularly today, we pray for the people of Yemen, who remain largely hidden from our Western news reports, for the conflict that has plagued the country and her people since 2011, the devastating effect it has had on infrastructure, fuel imports, and food imports, and the subsequent malnourishment of over three million children and pregnant women. We pray for peace in that troubled land, and for a world that chooses to wrestle with discomfort of acknowledging what is happen, happening, rather than the peace of ignoring such travesties. Love so amazing, so divine, we pray to you, O Lord. For a world in which people are still divided by the color of their skin, whether that's in the United States as witnessed in the continuing process in the Black Lives Matter movement, or here in the UK where structural racism continues to disadvantage people of color. 
We pray for young, black and ethnic minority leaders to rise up and drive change in a segmented and fractured creation. Love so amazing, so divine. We pray to you, O Lord. We pray all of these prayers, both spoken out loud and in our hearts, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.